This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hi, Fraser. How are you? I'm not doing too badly. How are you? I'm doing much better now that the snow is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather in Italy still feels like like a, some variation of London. It's been raining for like two mm. days. And I'm just reinforcing the stereotype that it's always raining in London. But in my experience, it kind of is true. Yeah. Um, yeah, Can't because every time I... <laughs> Every time I, I, I went to visit our friend Mike, it was always some kind of cloudy, gray weather. So mm. I'm just here to, to establish this stereotype. Uh, anyway, we're talking about books this week. We're talking we about e-books, e-books on iOS. Um, uh, and I needed to come clean, I guess, at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm not much of a book person. Although, just like everybody else, I would like to read more books. Mm-hmm. I think I, I used to read a lot when I was in high school. And part of that was, of course, dictated by my teachers. But also it was something that I, you know, this was before the iPad. It was before the iPhone. Um, and uh, it was before Netflix. <laughs> it was something that I loved to do. I was, I was constantly reading either a book or a comic book. Uh, I was especially into manga at the time. Um, but as soon as you know, I got a job and then you know, the iPhone came out and then the iPad came out and I stopped reading books. Um, I read a lot of articles. I watch a lot of TV shows. I listen to a lot of music. I play video games, but I don't read books. But it's something that I feel bad about. So I would like to... And I listen to a lot of podcasts too, I should say. that the, like the, These new forms of media, they occupy the time they used to be dedicated to books, like the past decade. Um, but it's something that I don't like about my, my habits. I miss reading like a long story and being immersed in a book. So uh, especially since doing the research for this episode, um, I would like to try again and see if it's even just reading i don't want to say every, a new book every single month but maybe even just five books a year five would be a success a for yeah. me yeah yeah i mean uh, it's weird how books carry this kind of feeling of guilt because no i don't feel guilty that i have never seen game of thrones for example like well, maybe yeah, i'd like to watch true. it maybe i wouldn't like to watch it but i don't feel guilty that i haven't watched it but you know people feel guilty that they haven't read i don't know the grapes of wrath or something like that or you should read lord of the flies or one of these things and these books are great education don't get me wrong but um what where does the guilt come from i don't know i don't know uh, i think that, that deep down we have sort of this uh, thought that television is bad for us and it's at least i know that it's something that like when i was growing up my mom would say don't watch too much tv or you'll you'll be stupid or something like that like (laughs) it makes you stupid this idea that watching doesn't watching something doesn't doesn't engage your brain in the same way that a long and a well-written story does um but my thought was so a few days ago i was thinking about this i was like maybe i should i should read some some books and eventually by just browsing around i ended up as uh, infinite jest by david foster wallace <laughs> as my first choice i was like that's probably not a great choice to start reading well again. you need you hit the gym before you can pick that book up i mean the size of it alone <laughs> but you know that's one of the things about electronic books federico is that you can be sort of deceptive you can be tricked into reading a book that is incredibly much longer than you think because uh, you can't you can't see how long the book is mm-hmm. unless you go into tiny yeah. little details on the Amazon webpage so um, I read a book once which was called Jerusalem the Biography and it was the history of the city of Jerusalem and one day I saw it in the bookshop and I couldn't believe I had read a book that large <laughs> because yeah. I, I got it on the Kindle and I just read it was a great book really well written uh, I read through the whole thing and really enjoyed it and then one day I saw it I said did I really read a book that size <laughs> but, but I, I was tricked into doing it by the Kindle so um, when it comes to iOS, we uh, of course there's a default option of iBooks, yeah. which could be changing its name to Apple Books. We don't know if you've been following around, uh, you know, if you've been following the iOS 11.3 beta rumors. Um, some people think that it'll be renamed to Apple Books, but now it's still called iBooks. So we're just gonna call it iBooks. Yeah, we'll we'll use that name for now. And I think uh, in in time to come, it may, it may change. Maybe the iBooks name, the iBook name has of course been used before for different things it used to be the name of a computer and now it's the name of a of an app and it may become the name of a computer again in the future who knows but of course ibooks is really three things i would say it's that first of all it's a store it's an ebook reader in its own right and a library manager and then it's also um 
it's also a PDF reader as well. So the PDF reader is something that is perhaps a lesser-known feature of iBooks, and, and people are maybe more familiar with uh, the store itself, the iBook store, and the eBook reader. But first of all, as a store, Federico, how does it rank up in Italy? Is is it well stocked in the same way that the Kindle store is? Um, Do people I think about know it? I because I, I, I don't know um, because I don't have an Italian Apple ID. Um, oh, okay, of course. So, I mean, I do have an Italian Apple ID, I just never use it. Um, mm, yeah. Because I, I have a United States one, somehow, don't ask, but I do have a US account. <laughs> yes, we, we've all got an American Apple ID somewhere mm-hmm, in, our, in our history, mm-hmm. don't we? <laughs> um, well, I can tell you from the UK perspective, and, and of course, uh, as with all of these things, the, the story is different in different countries, but uh, as a store, the iBooks front, front page is very much like the App Store or, or the the iTunes store or anything like that. It's, it's a standard Apple storefront for digital media. And in the UK, I've always seen it as being not quite as good a selection as a Kindle and not quite as cheap as a Kindle. And it's often a little bit more expensive and a little bit less good. And quite often you can find things on the Kindle that just they just aren't there on iBooks. Now, if you, if you read the sort of top... 50 top 100 books that are in the newspaper bestseller list you'll find them on iBooks no problem you know modern books are fine but if you're into more obscure books or uh, in particular technical books was one of the things I find with a lot of my electronic book reading is that it tends to be technical books either about education or about technology or something like that that those tend not to be on the iBook store as much as or as commonly as they are on the Kindle store. So as a store, it's perfectly functional, but it, it doesn't always have as good a selection as the Kindle store. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I've heard this before that, you know, you can just find more books on, on the Amazon store. Um, I don't know if it's about uh, the, the terms that Apple has with publishers or if it's just a matter of volume and popularity that, you know, I think in, in there's a, the mindset that, if, you know, the Kindle is associated with the idea of ebook for many people, um, probably more than iBooks is with, you know, for, uh, for digital books on iOS. So I think the mindset and, and the general consensus is that uh, the Amazon Kindle is all about ebooks, and it's kind of become yeah. a synonym on synonym of of ebooks, uh, you know, for for many different platforms, even. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and, and I think that also if you think about who can be who can get an iBooks book, well, it's iPhone users and iPad users, and I suppose Mac users as well. Whereas with the Kindle, you've got everybody in Android, everybody in iOS, mm-hmm. everybody who buys a Kindle. You know, there are, are many different devices. You know, the Kindle feature is that it's everywhere. You've got you can even read Kindle books on the web as well, uh, and it's just a, perhaps just a broader market. And I know that eBooks aren't a they aren't even the majority of the book market even today. In fact, they may be reducing as a proportion of the overall book market. So uh, maybe it just doesn't make sense for publishers to create two different workflows to get their stuff into both, uh, yeah. unless they think the book is going to be a very, you know, a very big seller uh, in both in both platforms. Yeah, um, as long as the basic experience is concerned with iBooks, it's really similar to the App Store before the iOS 11 refresh. And again, this information might be old if Apple changes the 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 iBooks app, but so far it's basically like the you have a main view with your library where you can filter by uh, type, so you you can see books, uh, PDFs. Uh, I think also audiobooks are now integrated with with the iBooks on on, uh, yes, on iOS. They are. Yeah, um, and you can tap on the, I think on the top in the title bar, and you can uh, you can hide um, books that are stored in iCloud but are not downloaded locally on your mm-hmm. device. Uh, and then you can go to the store and you can browse around. There's a, like a featured page, there's sections, there's top charts, categories. It's like an app store or it's rather more like iTunes, the iTunes store that has not changed with iOS 11. Um, and then when you buy something, it ends up in your main library view. And I tend to, every time I use iBooks, it's usually because I'm either um, reading along PDF or um, testing one of the EPUBs that I produce for my iOS reviews. Um, and I appreciate the, the ability to navigate uh, between two different types of content so that my PDF documents are separate from, from the actual eBooks. Yeah, I I really like iBooks as a reader. I, I think if I compare the Kindle app and the iBooks app, I much prefer the aesthetic appeal and the kind of design of the iBooks app on iOS. But 
it, it, you've got to sort of look at it as a whole. You know, if you're into buying Kindle books or if you want to go between an iOS device and a Kindle device, that's obviously going to be the ecosystem for you. But if you're all just about reading on iOS, then maybe iBooks is fine. And I've certainly bought books from both over the years, uh, but I tend to go with Kindle more these days, even though I like the iBooks. Um, the interface better and I have from time to time converted books between formats just so I can read them in iBooks that's a whole uh, topic probably never for a podcast but there are ways and means of doing those things Uh, and it's it's something particularly if you get something from a smaller publisher they often offer you multiple kind of formats and uh, EPUB is of course the one that iBooks supports and that's that's quite a nice way to read it. Yeah on the topic of formats i also did some research about um can you um buy something from apple of like legally can you go to the ibook store and then choose to read the book in a different app um and it turns out that it's a whole like rabbit hole of drm protection um and there's uh, applications on the mac and windows to remove uh, such dr drm uh and it, which is basically the same fair play drm that apple uses for any kind of content from itunes and it's a whole thing that i do not recommend because it seems well first of all it seems super shady to do of course um even though you're some people would say you are entitled to consuming the item that you've purchased uh, whatever you want uh, of course this is not you know this is a whole discussion that is not fit for the show but yeah. i would recommend against um i don't know but my just by reading through some articles it doesn't seem like something super reliable that i would trust over time yeah, I, I would say that in my experience, it's harder. Uh, in fact, it's almost so hard; it's not worth it to break DRM from iBooks. And there, there are some weird things. Some of the uh, anti-DRM tools that I've seen for Apple's DRM system, they actually make you uh, have turn off certain security features on your Mac that you might not want to turn off. Um, and, and in fact, I would strongly recommend you don't turn them off if, if at all possible. So. Uh, I would say it's probably easier just not to bother and yeah. read your iBooks books in that app and read your Kindle yeah. books in that app and it's probably yeah. the easiest way to do it. Yeah. So is there is there any any other comment that you have on, on, on iBooks? I, I've only read like half of a Harry Potter book in iBooks. That's <laughs> my well, experience. Uh, uh, the thing I mentioned earlier that is, is not really, uh, people don't really think of iBooks this way, but it, it is also a PDF reader. So you can bring PDFs into iBooks. It supports iCloud Sync. So you can you can save a PDF from any app on any device and it will appear on all your other instances of iBooks on different platforms and different devices. And as of, I think, iOS 11, it supports markup of PDF documents as well. So it's starting to get some of those basic features that Preview has on the Mac, but it's nowhere near as capable as, say, a PDF Expert application, for example. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend iBooks for any kind of serious PDF work. And one of the big, the biggest issue, I think, with iBooks as a PDF reader is that it doesn't support um, the files extension or any kind of document provider functionality to get stuff in or out. You can save files to iBooks, which is effectively just open in, as we've had for years and years. But the thing is, it's a bit like a jail because the only way you can get a PDF out is by email, at least in the last version that I looked at, which I think is still true in the current version. Um, there's no way to like save it to Google Drive or save it to uh, even iCloud Drive as such. It's, it's just in iBooks and it's in, the, in that system. So I would be careful to do that. It's, it can sometimes be quite tricky to get it back out uh, unless you want to email it to yourself, which is a pain, of course. Speaking of the Kindle, now there's a there's a big problem with uh, using the Kindle app on iOS is that you cannot buy directly from inside the app. You cannot buy Kindle books from yes. within the Kindle app because of a limitation that Apple put in place years ago. Yeah, this is just something that when I, when the App Store first opened, Apple took the view that uh, if you if you enabled the sale of something through an iOS app then Apple would be entitled to 30% of the value of that sale. And this was applied to many different things, uh, including subscriptions to various services and also applied to Kindle, Kindle books. So the, the big problem with Kindle in particular, at least at the time and probably still true, is that the number of things that you can put in Apple's system to sell through an app is actually quite limited in number compared to, for example, the whole inventory of the Kindle store. So... It, the sort of compromise that has been reached is that 
you can sign into your Amazon account on the Kindle app and you will see all the books that you already own. But in order to uh, actually purchase a book, you have to go to Safari on your device and send it to the Kindle app from the from the Amazon webpage. And it even goes as far as uh, you'll notice that if you're you're able to browse books in the Kindle, but there are no nowhere is there a link for you to be taken to that exact book page on the kin on the Amazon app. Uh, or on the Amazon website from the Kindle app because that is considered to be a link to a purchase and therefore Apple wants their 30% on that as well. Personally, Federico, I think that has always been a stupid limitation and it was stupid back then and I still think it's stupid now. I don't think Apple has to put that kind of road uh, road bump in the way of people. And it's just, it, is, it makes for a confusing app and it should be better than that, I think. Yeah, the the relationship between Apple and Amazon uh, about ebooks has always been contentious, to say the least. You know, the whole legal case in I think in the United States, uh, it's a it's a whole messy story. Uh, but uh, you know, despite that problem, which actually you know Amazon makes it quite easier because you can you can start downloading a book on your iOS device directly from the web. So they try to work around this annoyance. Um, as much as possible uh, on the on the Amazon.com side, um, but I should say that I quite like all the the reading experience in the in the Kindle app. I mm-hmm. know that it's not super clean, and for many years the the application icon used to be the, like the worst. Now it's <laughs> slightly better because they got yeah. rid of the name uh, inside of the icon, but. You could argue that the Kindle app is not as elegant, not as polished as as iBooks when you're reading a book, but there are some features, some Kindle-specific features that I think make the experience really interesting. Um, One of them is the X-Ray, which I think is a feature of the physical Kindle device as well. Um, And it's essentially a way to um, navigate... Actually, to get like more of a more of a bird's eye view of specific topics and characters and people mentioned in throughout the book, and to be able to navigate to those instances uh, and to get more information about those people or those places or whatever it is. Um, for example, today I was uh, testing. Uh, Jason Jason Schreier's he is an editor at Kotaku, the, the video game website, and he wrote a book about uh, how video games are made. It's called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Um, and when I opened the X-ray view, it gave me like this overview of popular games and game makers, like game developers in the people tab uh, and I could see like all the passages from the book where those people are quoted for example and also there were topics um, such as what's for example the Uncharted video game series and there were like descriptions from Wikipedia and other places and I think it's really it's it's a it's a convenient way to get like an overview of the topics and the characters in a book, I think it's uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, it can be a little bit spoilery though. I, I don't know if you've ever yes. done it with a yeah. <laughs> with a novel, but if if you open it up and you see that there's a character at the start of the book, and then that character suddenly stops being mentioned halfway through the book, you're like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen to that character. Uh, so you have to be a little careful in your first reading through a, a, a narrative book, if you like. But it's certainly a a very useful feature and particularly for any book that you're going back to for a second time uh, and maybe you've enjoyed the story but then you want to think a little bit more about the structure or something like that the x-ray feature can really help that as well and another one that i really enjoy when i'm looking at more technical books or reference books is a feature called page flip where it makes it much easier to kind of scrub through a book without uh without worrying about losing your place as such so what you do with this is you just tap in the middle of the page and the page sort of shrinks down a little bit from the borders of the screen and then you can you can basically drag right through the book with a slider and the uh, the pages will fly past in very quick order. So if you're looking at something like a textbook, for example, and you're looking for a particular diagram, you can just hit page flip and just skim through the book the way you would literally just you know flick a book through your thumb and you can quickly find the sections you're looking for as well so uh, with as with page page flip and x-ray 
both of them are not available on every book. So this isn't something that, for example, uh, the Kindle app just analyzes the book and generates the x-ray system for you. It's actually built into the book. It has to be enabled by the publisher and the publisher has to do that kind of indexing work. So not every book is capable of doing x-ray or page flip. Uh, it tends to be the older books. You know, I think there's something maybe um, books have to be delivered to Amazon in, in a newer format or, or they have to be updated in some way to support page flips. So sometimes older titles don't support those features, uh, but often newer books and certainly um, uh, kind of high profile books and, and bestsellers, if you like, do tend to come with all these features available and, and they're really great when they do. There's a few other um, features and details that I wanted to mention. Um, the first one is I love the way that the Kindle app, especially on the iPad, uh, brings up uh, three separate panels for um, dictionary, Wikipedia, and translation. When you select a word, you don't need to tap on a, on an extra like, like copy and paste menu. But as soon as you select, uh, these three swipeable panels come up and they give you the dictionary definition if you've downloaded the local Kindle dictionary for offline usage. And summary from Wikipedia, if there's uh, an entry for the selection, and a translation with an option to speak the result. Um, I think it, this uh, is a much faster and re uh, it's like a richer way to get information about a, a text selection in the book compared to iBooks. So I really like the way that it's been designed. Also, I like yeah. the... I also like the popular highlights. Again, this is a spoiler-heavy <laughs> way to be, yeah. navigate a book, but if you're, especially if you're downloading like something technical or more of a of a documentary style, like a biographies and such, um, it's a great way to see all the quotes that people are, have, uh, what people have highlighted at scale, and to get an idea of what is popular. What's a popular sentence, for example? Yeah, and it, can it can show them even in line. You can see a highlight that it says yeah. eighty-six people yeah. highlighted this or whatever. The only thing I don't like about that feature is I sort of feel like it. It's like other people telling me what to think about the book. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, it's and true. If, yeah. if someone else highlights, it, I'm like, mm, do I have to? You know, do I just kind of skim through this looking at the popular highlights or do I try and consider it all in context? And sometimes, uh, particularly if, if you look, if you read a book like, um, uh, I got that book, um, Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss, and quite often it's, it's, it's the most inane advice that everybody's highlighting as if, you know, it's, it's like the Hallmark greetings card of books, you know. Um, so it, it can sometimes be, you know, here's what the people like kind of thing. Uh, but it, it can be useful as well, particularly in, in a reference book where, you know, people tend to come back to those things and they tend to maybe highlight more in a reference book as well. Uh, very, very useful. I have one other, one other application for the translation feature, which is really helpful, which is... Um, uh, one of my favorite authors is Cormac McCarthy, who tends to write his books in English and then some of the dialogue flips into Spanish without a translation. And I don't speak Spanish, so some, some of those books can be quite hard for me to read because he actually writes it in a way that the sort of evolution of the story actually depends on the bit in Spanish as well. So if you don't read Spanish, it's, it's hard to kind of follow what's going on. So using the translation feature in the Kindle app is, is super helpful in those situations too. Uh, there's two other features that I wanted to mention. The there's a before you go. It's a it's a button that you tap in the sidebar again on the iPad. I suppose it's in another menu on the iPhone, and it gives you recommendations for uh, similar books that people have read. And I think the the design of this page is uh, you know it works better because it's contextual to the book itself. You don't need to go back to the store and view the related items, and the recommendations seem to be quite solid. Um, and finally, there's an integration with Audible. If a, if a book has, a, has a, an audiobook version, uh, there's a sync between the text version in, in the Kindle app and the, uh, and the audio version in Audible. So you can sync your progress between the two. Um, this is very interesting to me, and I kind of wish that Apple was doing something similar with iBooks. I'm not sure how, how it works, because I've only read through the Amazon documentation, which... Um, I think the page that I found on, on Amazon's website was also quite outdated. Um, but my understanding is that you need to buy both the uh, Kindle version and the audiobook version. And you can see if a Kindle book as, a, as an audiobook 
counterpart because on the amazon.com listing there will be an icon that says um audiobook is also available and then if you if you have both if and if you enable sync you will be able to jump between reading in the kindle app and listening uh to the audiobook but what what is not clear to me is that it the the description suggests that you can also listen from the kindle app instead of having to download the audible app so the documentation is not exactly intuitive for someone who's new to this part of the problem is that they, they tend to use different names for the same feature yeah. uh, on on the website they call it audible narration uh, and some books have it and some books don't i'm just looking at one right now on the amazon website it's the plot against america by philip roth and it says you can switch back and forth between reading the kindle book and listening to the audible narration you, and you can pay, you can add narration for $3.99 after you buy the Kindle book. So you buy the book is $4.99 here, and then you can add narration to that uh, for $3.99. Um, but I think you have to kind of sign into an audio, uh, uh, an Audible trial account to be able to do that. So it's still, it's still Audible over there. It's not a separate way of getting Audible books, but I think you can, you can actually use the, uh, uh, the app to kind of i think maybe on the kindles you can actually also have it um kind of read along to you so it'll highlight the words as it's reading out so the timing is all uh, is all kind of lined up as well so it's, it's quite a good feature um particularly if, if for you if you have people for example who maybe struggle with reading or something and it's it's a way that that could help you too yeah the idea of like at night uh i can I can read for a couple of hours and then in the morning when I'm working out, I can pick up the audio version and continue mm-hmm. from where I left off. It's very compelling to me because it's like you're turning the book into this uh, sort of this individual pieces that you can consume at different times throughout the day. So that is a very inter- interesting idea. No, it's, it's an interesting system and it's nice to see it sort of all integrated together. My daughter is hugely into audiobooks and she really enjoys them at bedtime, so... Uh, it's a fun feature. One of the things about audiobooks on iOS, though, that I very unhappily discovered as I was dealing with her, is that um, if you get an Apple doesn't let you re-download audiobooks more than once, uh, unlike almost everything else they sell. So a couple of times, you know, a device is broken on her and she's uh, she's lost that audiobook and had to buy it again, which is quite uh, quite unfortunate. All right. So do we have some? third-party recommendations for uh, ebooks on ios but before we move on to i i found two apps on the app store that i want to talk about basically but before we do that i think fraser we should thank our friends at Singbox. absolutely this episode of canvas is brought to you by Singbox because every person listening to the show has got something they don't like about email and that's why you need to try Singbox. While it would be lovely, it's just not practical to delete all of your email. There's undoubtedly important stuff in there that you have to deal with, but one of the big problems is that all email looks the same. At a glance, it can be difficult to decipher which messages need your attention and which are garbage. Wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? Well, this is what Sanebox is all about. Sanebox sorts through your email and moves all the trivial stuff to different folders, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you need. And the great thing is it will work seamlessly with your current system and with any app. One of the best features of Sanebox is called the black hole. All you need to do is move an unwanted email into that folder, and you'll never hear from that sender ever again. With Sanebox, you can set up email reminders, snooze your email, and so much more. Now, Federico, you're a resident Sanebox expert. How's How's it treating you these days? I can tell you that I've been using Sanebox for over a year now, and because it's um, it works everywhere, it's not tied to a specific email client. Um, for the past couple of weeks, I kind of moved back to Apple Mail um, because I was dissatisfied with the way that third-party email apps don't let me drag and drop a message into my task manager, which is something that Apple Mail supports. But my initial fear was that, oh man, I'm gonna lose all the, you know, all the system that the systems that I've built up in, in, in third-party apps, whether I was using Airmail or uh, Spark. But the reality is that as, since I started using Sanebox, I don't worry about this stuff anymore because the system lives on no matter the email client that I'm using. So even even though I switched to Apple Mail which in many ways is inferior to other third-party apps, I still retain the excellent Sanebox functionality. So my Sane Later folder, my Sane Black Hole, the Sane News, and my Sane Betas 
folder, which is where all my test flight invitations end up. Um, and this system is still, it continues to work because it's in the cloud. It doesn't, doesn't belong to any third-party app and it's excellent. So the freedom of being able to move to between different email clients is really perfect for me. And I could not recommend Samebox enough if you're just like me and need to try as many email clients as possible. Okay, so to help you get a little more organization in your inbox, we've worked with Sanebox to get you a great deal. Just go to sanebox.com slash canvas today and you'll get a two-week free trial and extra $20 credit just because you listen to the show. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's nothing to lose. Check it out today and get your email finally under control. Again, that's sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash canvas. We thank Sanebox for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I remembered these two apps uh, for reading uh, ebooks and uh, specifically EPUBs on iOS, uh, which I wanted to call out on the show. Um, the first one is called Hyphen. It's an app that we reviewed uh, on Mac Stories a couple of years ago, uh, and it's uh, basically an EPUB reader that has a very elegant UI, uh, a lot of customization options in the reading view and it supports syncing between devices. Um, what I like about Hyphen is that it's super elegant. It's very tasteful, very thoughtful design. And you can, there's a, primarily there's two um, aspects that I want to highlight. The first one is that I, I appreciate the design of the annotation interface and the way that you can perform actions on selected text. Uh, the annotations, they, um, Basically, when when you when you long tap on an annotation, you bring up this like this large pop up that contains a text field where you can add a comment and different colors and even a sharing icon. I think it's really well done, and especially because it takes advantage of the iPad screen. It's not like a tiny post-it note that pops up in the middle of nowhere. It's like an actual panel. It's really well done, um, and there's also actions. Uh, that these are accessed from the more button and they allow you to speak text, to share text with other apps, to search for it on Google, to find similar occurrences of the same highlight in elsewhere in the book and to also you can also connect your Goodreads account and you can add a quote to your Goodreads profile. So that is very that is very nice. Um, but the really what sells hyphen is that if you are the type of person who wants to customize all the little details of the reading experience, this is probably what you want to play with. Um, so you can apply these custom settings on a book by book basis. And in addition to choosing like the obvious stuff like fonts and headers and colors, you can play with um, hyphenation settings, you can play with spacing, and you can add your own custom CSS for um, EPUBs. So if you know what you're doing and you want to, because basically EPUB is like a superset of HTML, uh, you can write your own theme in CSS and, and give that to hyphen and you will make your own reading view um, just the way that you like it. So that, that is very, that is very, very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Not something that I would do myself, but you know, there's crazy people up there and this should be a welcome option. Um, also, you can you can choose to override, of course, the publisher style, uh, which is often embedded within uh, EPUB files. For example, for Mac stories, we have this um, custom script that generates uh, EPUBs for my uh, long form stories. And by default, I think we we specify a font. Um, but if you want, you can override our setting and you can just change everything about our EPUB layout. Um, and finally, you can you can export highlights from the book you can customize gestures for page navigation and there's also a vertical swipe that allows you to change the brightness of hyphen and you can actually decide also in the settings whether you want to change the brightness of the app itself or system wide so uh, there's a toggle you need to you you can choose whether it's the brightness level applies to hyphen itself or to the entire uh, system on ios um so this is iPhone. It looks really, really elegant, and it's almost. Uh, it looks really, really tasteful. I don't know how to describe it, but it looks really nice. The other option, which is probably what I would choose, it's uh, it's an app called Marvin. And Marvin, uh, there's a 
couple of versions on the App Store. There's a paid upfront one, but there's also one that is free and you can then unlock the Pro version with an in-app purchase. Marvin looks also looks really clean, but in a different way than Hyphen. It looks almost like a, like an Apple app. It looks very um, native to iOS. Um, there's a beautiful use of icons and different colors. There's also a lots of customization options, but not necessarily for the reading experience. So I would describe Marvin as a highly customizable EPUB reader for everything that is around the reading itself. Uh, you can choose fonts, you can choose colors, but the customization options for the reading view are not as extensive as hyphen, but everything revolving around reading is just so much deeper than hyphen. Um, for example, there's this side menu that contains um, options such as text-to-speech, annotations. Uh, there's also a special mode called the journal where you can, uh, I think you can add photos, you can add tags, maybe even location to hmm. like when you're taking notes about a book. Um, so it's kind of like day one for the books that you're reading. Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. There's also like a speed reading mode that is called the karaoke okay. that you can of course customize like uh, the speed and how many words come up on the screen at once. I never understood how people can do speed reading but it's a thing and a lot of people love it so um, yeah that's an option it, well it's kind of like 2x on on podcasts isn't it you know i think oh yes totally. the more you do it the better you get at it you know i, I, I put a podcast on in the car and nobody can cope with how fast people are talking on it and i'm like well what's the problem and then when you meet somebody from the podcast you listen to in real life you're like why do they talk so slowly everybody to me says yeah. you're slower than i than i know you it's like yeah. okay <laughs> um Anyway, in the in the main screen of Marvin, the other feature that I love is that you can uh, first of all you can choose uh, different view types. So there's like grid or uh, larger grid or like a shelf view. There's all kinds of options. But what I love is this. Um, I think it, it's iPad only, and it's called the Quick Panel, and it's a way to add custom shortcuts to a sidebar. Mm. And these custom shortcuts can be for basically anything that you can do in Marvin. So there's a, you can add a shortcut for the current book you're reading or recently opened ones. Uh, you can do collections and smart collections. So like folders and small folders. Um, you can add shortcuts for changing themes, for changing colors. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you can pin to this sidebar, which I think if you, uh, and this is really the, probably the final comment is that, if you deal with a lot of EPUBs and if you consider yourself an ebook power user, Marvin is probably what you're looking for. Just because of all these options for management and for organizing and adding thoughts and comments to EPUBs and all the themes that you can unlock. There's like a dozen themes that you can unlock. And even though I haven't found an option for custom CSS, and even if hyphen looks more book-like, um, I think Marvin is a is a better all-around EPUB management and reading app because it gives you so many options from the main screen and the library view and the annotations and the journal and all that. You can also read comics in Marvin, okay. uh, both in the CBX and the CBR formats. So again, this could be an option for me to read manga in a digital format on iOS. Um, what I uh, There's also support for Goodreads and iPad shortcuts, and you can actually... <laughs> program your own iPad keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> this is like, it's the more I talk about it, the more it feels like iCab, but for mm, ebooks, yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah, there's a no, ton yeah. of settings, settings that you can customize. But what I don't understand is how you can actually sync your EPUBs and progress between devices. I did some tests and I couldn't find, so there's an option to link your Dropbox account. But I think it's only for importing EPUBs into the app. Um, there's also an iCloud location feature that I think only syncs the your position within a book to another device, but it doesn't actually transfer your library between devices. So if there's an option 
it must be somewhere and it's probably uh, the reason why I haven't found it it's because there are just so many settings which you could argue that it's also one of the you know one of the pros but also one of the cons of apps like iCab and Marvin is that they let you do anything if if you know where to find the option exactly <laughs> um, yeah. yeah but that said I, I do recommend especially you know play around with the free version and you can you can test it for yourself Great. Well, it seems like we've got two uh, two kind of first party options for the ecosystems that we have, or the easy web fronts, the storefronts that we get most of our books from, and we've got two good options for those kind of uh, you know third party EPUBs that we buy. Quite a lot of smaller publishers will let you download EPUBs uh, that are not necessarily encumbered by DRM and just store them wherever. Sometimes they're watermarked as well. That can happen too, uh, and it just it's kind of more on an honor system rather than strict DRM. Uh, but it's good to know that there are options there on iOS as well. Fidrio, well, let me tell you about our second sponsor for the show. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Pingdom. If your website was down right now, if visitors couldn't access your content or couldn't click that all-important buy button, how would you know? And the answer is you wouldn't until it was too late, and that's why you need Pingdom. They give you the peace of mind you need. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. They're dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. And if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. Start monitoring your site today. All Pingdom needs is the URL, and they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com relayfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code CANVAS at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Really FM. Fraser, tell me about creating ebooks. How can you do that besides yeah. delegating the job to someone else like I do? <laughs> well, you can hire a guy, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> And that may be actually the best of all the possible options. Uh, but there are a few ways you can do this in iOS. And the first is that uh, Pages has an EPUB expert mode. However basic it is, and it's quite basic, uh, you can, when you export from Pages on iOS and on the Mac as well, uh, you can choose PDF, Word, and so on, or t- plain text. And you can also choose EPUB as well. And it'll, it'll do its best to make different parts of the document into EPUB structures for you, but there's not a lot of control over that. It's basically just an EPUB from what I've got here. But there are there is another option which is a, is very very popular in education. In fact, Federico is huge in education. This is one of in many schools. This is one of the fundamental apps that students use, particularly in primary schools, uh, but also in secondary schools too. And that app is simply called Book Creator, and it's an app that is designed primarily for creating what are called fixed layout EPUB files. And what that means is that when you, if you imagine a, an app that's a little bit like Keynote, you can drop objects on the page and you can resize them and align them and so on. And then when you hit export, it takes all of that information and it turns it into an EPUB. And then when the EPUB gets into iBooks, you see in iBooks exactly the layout, including the page shape and size that you created in Book Creator. So if you think about books that you buy from Amazon or iBooks, those are called reflowable EPUBs, where if you change the font size, the, the text on each page might change because the, the text loves to get physically larger as the font size goes up. Whereas fixed layout EPUBs, they stay the, the exact same page layout no matter what size device you're looking at it on. And one of the cool things that Book Creator can do is you can do things like make comics. They've got a lot of different template designs now, and one or one of those categories of templates is is comics. So you can drop images into frames, and you can put callouts and and speech bubbles and things in there. And that's one of the reasons why schools love it so much is because you, you can make it very engaging and very inviting for younger users. Uh, you can also include audio and video as, as assets in the book as well. I've seen this used in schools in many different ways, but one of the ways I really like was uh, in primary school when kids were learning different languages as part of a project. What they did was they, they would write down the word in that language in a book creator, and then they would record themselves, because you can actually record directly into book creator. They would record themselves saying that word in the language they were learning, say it was maybe Russian or something, they would 
record them saying themselves saying that word and then they would say it in English and they, they were sort of building up a, a a speaking vocabulary if you like of little snippets of themselves talking in these different languages uh, over the course of the project so book readers are really nice kind of scrapbooking comic nice. book making yeah. book and it's all on iOS you just build it on iOS and then you drop it out you can save it different places um, and there's also an interesting interestingly a version for Chrome OS as well so there is like a web based version of this that you can use if you're using a Chromebook as well which is uh, is obviously kind of something that schools do quite a lot of they tend to go between Chromebook and iOS so book creators actually try to serve both those markets with a similar kind of app Mm-hmm. What if I use a Mac? Uh, remember iBooks Author? Kinda. It still exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, iBooks Author w- was an app that Apple brought out alongside um, version 2 of iTunes U. And the idea was that, and, and Apple also brought out a new format called the multi-touch textbook, which can only be created with iBooks Author on a Mac. So this is, in all my experience of doing iPad in school stuff, one of the things that I've found is that um, Apple often want to promote iBooks Author as a great idea, but m- most schools don't have any Macs. So it's kind of like, well, you could do this iBooks Author thing, but you've got to go and buy a you know £1,000 laptop to do it on. And most schools are just like, no thanks at that point. So it's always been a bit of a mystery to me why iBooks Author doesn't, hasn't ever been an iPad app. I mean, if you think about it, its whole point was to create books that you could read on an iPad. And it never came to the iPad, which was, was always quite strange to me. Yeah, I don't understand. It seems like the perfect app for for the iPad, especially the iPad as a creation device where you can actually make mm. something and use the same use uh, run the thing you made on the iPad itself. So you create the book in on the iPad and you read the book on on the iPad. Yeah. And it's something that I would like Apple to pursue, just like Xcode on iOS. I would love to sort of open up this idea of creating content on the same platform where you eventually consume the content. I think that's a powerful message for all kinds of institutions and generations of users, uh, you know, older people and younger kids. Everybody should be able to create and use uh, something on a computer, on the same computer, uh, instead of having this sort of separation between on the Mac you create and then on on the iPad you can only consume. I think that's an old idea that's an old concept and iBooks author I would love to see a relaunched version that is uh, that supports the iPad fully so yeah most definitely I think it's almost like um, Xcode for books because you can actually do a thing in iBooks author where you can have your iPad connected to the Mac and you can sort of do a, a test and run, if you like, and, and you just hit a button in iBooks Author and it'll compile the book and send it over to your iPad and relaunch it in iBooks. So you can, you can almost, it's almost like you're developing an app, but it's a book. Uh, and, and to have that actually you know, come over to the iPad would be very cool. But regardless, you, you can still use it today. It's free to download from the Mac App Store. You can run it on your Mac and you can create these iBooks Author books, which are they can be they're very immersive when you use them on the iPad they're they're very visually impressive they're very pinch and zoom and there's all kinds of uh, widgets that you can go into you can put little quizzes in it and call outs on images and so on and there's also the possibility to use third party widgets as well where you can do things and I've seen some very cool things done here like uh, embed YouTube videos inside the book so that you basically use the embed code from YouTube and put it inside your book and then uh, you know that will work because those widgets are all just made with HTML and JavaScript so you can do all kinds of cool things like that as well so you can actually do really nice things in iBooks author if you have the you know the time and attention and effort uh, available to do that it's it can be really impressive uh, a final quick note for something that I've never tried myself again because I consider uh, myself a completely to be completely ignorant when it comes to EPUB and the standard and making modifications to the EPUB code um, but it is possible to generate um, I would say basic EPUB documents using Ulysses on iOS. Um, okay. So if you want to turn uh, an, a Ulysses group, um, some people would call it a project, well, let's say a group or a folder containing sheets, uh, you can swipe on it in the main sidebar. And if you choose uh, to preview the contents of the group, um, 
basically from the preview screen, you need to tap at the top where it says the type of preview that you're currently seeing. Uh, and if you change the preview type to EPUB, uh, you will then be able to see what your uh, all your sheets uh, merged together in a single EPUB document, what they will look like. Um, you can all, you can of course add custom metadata so you you can add a title you can add your author information and uh, you can choose different styles and you can download you can download epub styles for ulysses from the i think it's called the ulysses uh, style exchange which is a web page where you can browse themes by other people and i suppose that if you know what you're doing you can probably make your own custom epub theme for ulysses uh, again it's not something that i've done myself um, i would not release uh, an EPUB that has been made with Ulysses, not because it's um, not because it's not possible, but because I, I I think I prefer to have a custom system that allows me to fully control the output. Yeah, I think that's often the the, the only way to really get a good EPUB is to really get yeah. into to building it yourself. You know, the, there's lots of automated tools and they're great, but uh, I think you know the story of EPUB. Every time I've heard people write up, here's how I made my my eBooks. It's always a story of pain, really and truly, and, and having to learn a lot about the details of the EPUB format. So uh, expect a little bit of hand tweaking if you want a really nice a really nice result in the end of the day. Yeah, what we ended up doing for Mac Stories is we have a custom script. It's a whole thing that Brett Terpstra made for us. It's based on Pandoc, which is this um, script that you run on the terminal and it allows you to fully uh, control how multi-markdown text uh, becomes an EPUB um, file. It's very complex and it's a script that we've been working on for ever since I've been doing my iOS long-form reviews. Um, but that is to say that it's, uh, you know, you need to choose between do I want to fully control the EPUB that comes out of this text or am I okay just with generating a basic template um, and a basic style from an app like Ulysses on iOS or Scrivener on, on the Mac, for example, as a similar feature. And I think the convenience of this is if you want to export a long project and send it as a draft to someone else, I think that could totally work. Uh, you know, instead yeah. of sending them a PDF or a bunch of markdown text files, you can generate an EPUB and send it to a friend or just read it for yourself. So I'll probably do that next time I'm working on a long story. It's something that I can try for myself, but I wouldn't sell, you know, publicly. I would not release an EPUB made with Ulysses. Federico, can I tell you about one other thing that I've just remembered that I never yes. put in the show notes, but it's one of the coolest things I know that I, I and nobody knows it's there. But you know Wikipedia, right? That we know and love, right? Um, on Wikipedia, there's a thing called Wikipedia Book Builder. And this is an incredible feature of Wikipedia that almost nobody knows about. And what you do is you make it on the website, right? So what you do is you go to Wikipedia and go to a certain article. And in the sidebar, there's a button called Create a Book under the section called print export. I'm just looking at it right now, I'm gonna click it while I'm here. And what, what, you, uh, what you do is you basically turn on this feature and, and the whole of Wikipedia like goes into a different mode, if you like, a book creating mode. And what you can do is as you browse around, there's new buttons appear in, uh, at the top of the page called book creator and you can choose to add the page you're looking to to your book. And Wikipedia tracks this as you go. So you just go around Wikipedia adding more and more and more pages to it. And then when you're done, you can hit the button called show book and it will show you the book that you've created with all the pages from Wikipedia. And then what you can do is you can press a button and download it all as an EPUB. It's so cool. And oh, nice. so you, you can actually make a book of articles from Wikipedia, pull it all down to your iPad as an EPUB, and then read it in iBooks. So if, if you've got a lot of reading to do, a lot of research, you know, going on a plane, for example, you know, add 20, 50 Wikipedia articles to your book, uh, save it as a PDF or an EPUB, and download it to iBooks and read it on your iPad. It's really cool. Very nice. And it, yeah. it does everything. It, it does all the images and all the formatting and stuff and the indexes and all that stuff. It brings it all down. It's, uh, it, it's such a cool feature. And it's one that almost nobody knows about on Wikipedia, but uh, I really enjoy it. Cool. Shall we leave it there for today, Federico? This has been uh, yeah. really interesting. 
I, I never thought we would actually get so much out of this one, I think. No, me neither. <laughs> I thought we were going to just sort of say, well, iBooks, Kindle, you're done. You iBooks know, take, and Kindle, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> but there are other options as well. You know, you've got Hyphen, you've got Marvin. Uh, there are ways you can get involved with uh, moving documents between different formats. You can actually make EPUBs uh, on iOS. Book Creator is a great app, huge in schools, absolutely huge in schools. Uh, and there's lots of other uh, little bits and pieces in there as well. So this has been Canvas episode 56, reading electronic books on iOS and creating them too, of course. You can catch up with show notes. They will be at relay.fm slash canvas slash 56 for this episode. You can connect with the show. We are underscore Canvas FM on Twitter. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. Federico is Vitici. And we will be back with you next show.